Hello, Pixel Peeps. Welcome to Images Everything with your host, the Pixel Pimp himself, Rav Holly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Images Everything. I'm your host, Rav Holly, uh, and uh, this episode we're going to be touching base on what it takes to grow your social media network. Is it really worth it? Is it worth the time to uh, invest to uh, work and uh, network uh, through social media? Some of you have got Facebook pages. Probably all of you got Facebook pages. Most of you probably have Instagram, uh, and even a few of you are going to have Twitter, and you're going to be active on at least one or two and maybe even three, like myself. Uh, I've been on social media, a little background on myself. I've been on social media since 2004, I believe. Uh, I was an original beta tester for the original MySpace. Uh, Most people don't know, but the original MySpace started out as a music site. It actually wasn't even geared or open to the public. It was basically for people that were in the music industry. And in Dallas, I was actually doing a lot of music photography back in those days. I shot the house band at uh, Cowboys in Arlington, some of you may know, from uh, the Dallas area. So uh, I actually even worked uh, with Gary Kyle, uh, some of the local bands there in Dallas. And uh, so I was uh, privy to the MySpace when it first first launched. Uh, I heard about it right away. And so uh, I signed up for it and got an invite and was able to be a beta tester for the original MySpace. And uh, that is how I started on social media. And I was doing web design back in those days on my own uh, accord. And I just gotten uh, started with it and I was learning this. Uh, the web was all pretty much brand new back. Well, no, the web started back. I got on the web about 94. So 2004, I was already pretty, my skill set was already pretty on par when it came to web design. So what I did was, uh, I since uh, MySpace was open source and you could actually manipulate your code, uh, kind of like Blogger and uh, some of the other open source stuff that's out there, you could take and you can manipulate your code and you could basically design your MySpace page to be pretty pretty much any way you wanted it by rewriting the code or just uh, you know putting a banner, putting a banner, a header. Uh, a header for your banner and so forth. And so that's what I did. And uh, I ended up building a pretty decent looking MySpace page. And it was all by my own design. It was all my own colors. And uh, it got a lot of attention on MySpace because people wanted to know how to do that. So I started getting a lot of uh, inquiries on people asking me to design their MySpace page. And uh, there was other, there was a few other people doing that, and they were charging two hundred and fifty dollars, and I started charging like a hundred and fifty dollars, and uh, I ended up getting a lot of inquiries and uh, doing a lot of MySpace pages for some certain people, and uh, friends of mine I would do it for cheaper and you know and stuff like that. But uh, I ended up growing my MySpace page to where I had over ten thousand followers, I guess, on MySpace, and. Uh, I pretty much learned to play the social media game through MySpace. I kind of paid attention to what people were doing. They were getting attention, and uh, I watched some of the more popular uh, celebrity pages, uh, some of the uh, pages that were a little bit more controversial, and I just kind of mixed my own style in there as a photographer to try to get some attention for my own page because at the time, I was just a married father of two boys living in the suburbs of Dallas, and basically I was a nobody. I was just really getting my name out there, 
in uh, the Dallas area as a photographer and just bringing that on and just really getting my business up and running as a photographer. Uh, I was doing a lot of things, but uh, those things were shooting sidelines at uh, children's sporting events and things like that. But I was really wanting to make a name for myself in Dallas as a photographer, and I was at the pristine time to do that. So what I did is I really used my space to uh, really help jumpstart my career and help get my name out there. And uh, at the time, there was a girl on MySpace that uh, I communicated with. Her name was Shannon. And I communicated with her a lot. <clears throat> and she was, a, she was a local girl, but she was in a lot of the social circles. So she knew a lot of people. And she always knew a lot of events that were going on. And uh, I was a huge mixed martial arts fan at that time. Uh, really, really big into the mixed martial arts. So it just happened that uh, they were actually having an event in Dallas and uh, Tito Ortiz from Teen Punishment and a guy that she was actually, I'm not sure if her and uh, Kim Pavi were actually dating, but I know that they were uh, kind of an item there for that event. And uh, so she had kind to kind of put me in touch with Ken, who was actually a uh, he was a manager for some mixed martial artists, uh, like Rico Rodriguez and uh, a few other mixed martial artists at the time. Uh, Rico used to be the heavyweight UFC heavyweight champion back in the day. And so uh, Ken and I kind of friended each other on MySpace, and then uh, he kind of, I guess, was looking at what I was doing on MySpace, and he liked how I designed my MySpace, and he had asked me how I did that and asked me if I could do it for him which I uh, did and uh, did it for his assistant, G.T. Torres. And uh, he ended up hitting me up. I was actually in the process of, uh, at the end of a long 18-year uh, relationship and marriage, and uh, that was all coming to an end. So I was uh, looking at restarting uh, my life, basically, as a single guy. And uh, I'd already uh, leased a loft at the American Beauty Mill in Dallas and paid my deposit and was already ready to move in when Ken hit me up on MySpace and said that he was looking to really uh, take his uh, management system for mixed martial artists to the next level and really make a, a large business out of it. And he was naming an MMA agents and he needed somebody to uh, take the pictures for the fighters and the sponsors. And he also wanted me to uh, help him do initial design for the initial website for MMA agents and uh, basically offered me a job to move out to Huntington Beach, California and help out with that. And so uh, it was the end of the year. It was the end of 2006. And Ken actually paid for me to come out to Huntington Beach. He flew me out to Huntington Beach uh, uh, for Thanksgiving. I actually didn't spend my last Thanksgiving with my family. I actually went out to Huntington Beach and uh, basically uh, interviewed for the job for that week. I think I stayed there a week, actually, uh, with Ken at his house in Huntington Beach. And Razor Rob McCullough lived there with Ken. And uh, he basically offered me a uh, paying job with a free place to stay. And in California, you can't beat that. He's got a beautiful house there in Huntington Beach, uh, right there, uh, like two blocks from downtown on Maine. From a, it's a block over from Maine, so it's just right there. I mean, downtown Huntington Beach is right there. You're literally a five-minute walk from the pier. So it was very appealing. And uh, so I went out there, but then I flew back to Texas 
and I couldn't quite make my mind up what I wanted to do. All my friends were there in, in Dallas, the people that I knew, the social circles, circles that I was already building uh, in the basically in the singles community, uh, the girls that I were dating, the girls I was seeing and everything. And uh, going out to California would have been was a whole other jump for me. So I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do and I couldn't make my mind up exactly what I wanted to do. And in April, Ken sent me a message and asked me, he said, hey, man, I need you. Why don't you pack your crap and come on out here? And I was really torn about it, but it was nice to be able to go into right, go right into having a job. And uh, he was paying to move me out there, out to California. So you can't really pass on a deal like that. So I basically packed everything up and uh, hit the road and drove to California, drove to Huntington Beach. Uh, it took me about two or three days uh, to get there. And uh, then I started working for Ken and started working the social media for MMA agents. I built a MySpace page for uh, MMA agents uh, and I promoted that. I also promoted my own MySpace page and helped out with my buddy Razor Rob's page. From time to time, he didn't need much help. Razor was pretty good at social media itself. Ken was actually a, a social media guru himself. So they really didn't need much help in their social media, just the design with it. And, uh, I worked on my social media, growing my social media. And then in, uh, 2009, you had Twitter pop up and, uh, or maybe earlier than that. I think I joined Twitter in 2009. I'm pretty sure. And I'd actually had another Twitter page maybe in 2008 or when, tu when Twitter very first started, I created a page, but I didn't really get Twitter right away. And I was pretty much still stuck with uh, MySpace at that time, even though MySpace was on its way out and Facebook was just now taking off. I uh, tried to stay with MySpace. I was a loyal MySpace. I've still to this day don't care that much for Facebook. I use it because it's a necessity. But as far as Facebook itself, I really can't stand it. But uh, when you do what we do and you work for yourself, it is a necessity Necessity, and you really do have to have it. It's it's. Uh, I don't use the Messenger. I've got a post up on my Facebook page now that uh, debating about that. I don't care for their Messenger and the way that they... Uh, if they wanted to, they can access your camera and they can access your speaker and stuff on your phone. And to me, that's just a little bit overboard. It's a lot overboard, actually. That just turns turns me off to their whole their whole idea, and that they're you know basically uh, farming your information and selling it. You know, it's just it's re it's a little bit it's way too intrusive, really. Um, I really like Twitter a lot. Uh, Twitter is just kind of like, I mean, it's a it's. There's no, you know, there's no, there's a Twitter police, but this compared to like Facebook, forget about it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, it's chaos, kind of like the web was back in the nineties. You can just kind of do whatever you want to. And I like that. Uh, it's kind of the, the open range for, you know, cowboys that want to just get out there on the internet and do whatever they want to do. Unlike Facebook, which is for family and kids and everything else. So I really like Twitter a lot. Uh, I don't spend as much time on Twitter as I used to, but I really do like Twitter and I've built up a, a decent following on Twitter of about 42,000 people. And I just got a message from my buddy Mateo with Vicious Canids asking me like what he could do to get his Twitter page started. So I'm going to address that right here. Uh, or actually he addressed, he asked me what he could do to get more Twitter followers. So I'm going to address that right here and tell you uh, what I think and how you can actually build your Twitter following. 
And number one, and to be completely honest with you, to build your Twitter following today is not easy at all. When Twitter first started, it was really easy to get people to follow you. Basically, all you had to do was go follow them, and they would see that you followed them, and they would follow you back. That doesn't happen anymore. You can go follow a thousand people, and out of that a thousand people, maybe ten will follow you back. Used to, you could go th- you could go follow a thousand people, and out of that thousand people, about seven hundred and fifty would follow you back. So basically, what you would do is delete the other three hundred that didn't follow you, and then you would follow a thousand more, and so on, so on, so on. And so I used to do that, and and they used to limit it, or I think maybe they still do. It used to be limited to about two hundred, I think, or two fifty. Uh, meaning that you could only follow 250 people at a time. So I used to have a software. I don't remember what it was called. TweetDeck, maybe? I think maybe TweetDeck. I don't remember what it was called. I still have one on my iPad that I use. And basically what it does is you can go in there and you can just literally, you can look at somebody. And this is another thing you do. You find people on your Twitter that do the same thing you do that have a decent following. Because people that are in the with the same interest will will actually do what, what they they will follow you because you're you have something in common. So if you're a comedian and you know you don't want to go out there and look for a bunch of draw you know a, a, a director that you know that that directs dark dramas and try to get his followers to follow you, that's probably not going to happen because they're all into the dark dramas. So what you would do is find another comedian that's on your level or actually better than you are, you know, or, or higher, higher, higher marketed marketability than you have. Uh, so let's say if you've got 5,000 Twitter followers and they've got 15,000 Twitter followers, you basically just go farm their Twitter followers. You go find their, you go, you open up who follows them and you just start following their followers and you hope that their followers will follow you back. And again, this is how I did it initially. And this is how it used to work very well. Does it work like that today? No, it doesn't. It doesn't work that well anymore. You can still do it and you will still get followers, but it is very hard to get followers. Uh, if I get 50 followers a day now really working at it, I really feel like I've accomplished something. And before, like if I followed 250 people, I can't remember how that worked. I don't know if it was 24 hours or what. I just remember there was a limit on how many you could follow. But what I would do is like, uh, maybe it was an hour, maybe it was 250 an hour or something like that. I don't remember. I just remember that I had this piece of software. I would go find somebody that was equivalent, another photographer basically, uh, that was pretty popular. And I would just start going down and I would follow all of his followers until it cut me off. And then when it cut me off, I would go back and then uh, I would wait and get as many of those followers as I could. And I would go back to his page again and check his followers and start from where I'd left off and just go through and follow, 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 follow. And then uh, after a week or so of following, then I would wait a while. Then I would go back and see, and you could see the people that didn't uh, follow you. And the software would just bring everybody up that didn't follow you that you followed that didn't follow you and you could just delete them. So that's how I did it. And that's how I built my social media. That's how I did it on Instagram. Uh, I waited on Instagram for a long time and had Instagram and I actually built up a following of about five or 600 people on Instagram, which is absolutely nothing 
uh, without really trying, without really trying and following people and uh, just, uh, you know, organically getting followers. Basically, I thought maybe I could really push my Twitter followers up uh, by just organically or, you know, not really working it like I did Twitter. And I got to 600 and, and it just died. Nobody was following me or anything. So I, uh, after about a year of hovering around 550 to 600 followers, I actually finally incorporated the exact same thing the way I grew my, tri- my Twitter page, my Twitter following. I did the exact same thing with Instagram. I downloaded a software, an Instagram software that uh, tells you who follows you, uh, who it tells you who you follow that doesn't follow you, uh, who uh, is following that who that is following you that you're not following, and uh, and so that's again. So what I would do is I would go and follow, 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 follow people uh, on Instagram, and then uh, hope that they followed me back, and and. I would wait a few days and then see who didn't follow me back and I would go and delete all the people that didn't follow me and then I would start over again, start the process over again, go out, find a bunch of people to follow, find another photographer that was equivalent to me or somebody of me and you farm as bad as it sounds. That's why you do it. You farm their followers basically and that's the secret to Twitter. Um, I mean, not Twitter. Well, this it's the secret to Twitter and Instagram. It works both ways. Another way that you can get followers on Instagram is just to go in and basically do a search, do a search for just photography, do a search for whatever your hobby is or whatever you're into. Uh, If it's classic cars, go in, do classic car search. And if your page, if your Instagram is all about classic cars, let's say I have a 66 Mustang, which is not my, my Instagram is about my photography, which my whole life is. But let's say for instance, you have a classic car or a classic vintage motorcycle page or something and you're trying to you're trying to build your Instagram followers you're trying to build up your following what you can do is go into the search place where you would search for somebody's name or where you would search for a genre Uh, you type in let's say type in vintage motorcycles so you'll get all of these pages that pop up that are um they're centered around vintage motorcycles. And what you do is you go into these people's pages or, or it'll bring up all of these pictures of the top vintage motorcycles or whatever. And so those vintage motorcycles will be on people's pages that are probably into vintage motorcycles. So what you could do is just start clicking, liking the little heart. All you do is go through and like those pictures on certain pages that kind of are equivalent of yours. You go into these pages, you click on the people's pictures and you like them without even necessarily following them. And a lot of times they will come in check your page out and follow you back. So another thing is, is I can tell you, uh, you, you really have to keep it on the level. You have to be on level with your social media. So for instance, um, if, I'm, I'm, I consider myself medium level. You know, there's a, there's a hierarchy in photography of the, the upper echelon photographers, uh, like Joel Grimes, Chase Jarvis, um, guy, uh, you know, all of those really popular, uh, photographers out there, uh, right now in the social media spectrum. Um, let's see, who else do you have? You have Joel Grimes. I'm trying to think of some more, uh, you got, let's say Peter Hurley, uh, probably the top headshot photographer, 
uh, in the nation right now, uh, Scott Kelby with Kelby, Kelby Training Center, uh, and the one and only Joe McNally. You know, those guys are social media gurus, and uh, they're actually photography gurus that have been in the game. Um, I know Joe, and Joe's been in the game a lot longer than I have. I think Scott and Peter pretty much about the same amount of time I have. I think I'm about the same equivalent. But those guys uh, are, I still, you know, Chase Jarvis, uh, Peter Hurley, Scott Kelby, Joe McNally, Joe Grimes. I know Joel's been in the game for a long, long time, uh, longer than I have. Um, but those guys are your upper echelon right now, probably the top photographers, especially on social media. Uh, and then you have medium photographers like me that that hasn't reached that level, but I'm still striving for it. And then you have lower photographers. So basically uh, what I can tell you is going to those, I've actually had some correspondence with Chase Jarvis. I can't say that, but I've posted on Joel Grimes and and going and trying to have any correspondence or anything with those upper echelon photographers, you're not going to have any luck as far as probably getting them to follow you back. This goes with celebrities or goes with anyone. If you get on Twitter or you get on Instagram and you go and start finding the upper echelon of everything and following them, you're going to have absolutely probably no luck at all. But if you go and find uh, a a group of budding photographers that are just getting into the game that have a lot of questions about photography and you start following them and you look at their photography and you can see where they're at and they're basically where you were when you started. You start following them, and then they look at your stuff and go, wow, this is like where I want to be. So you'll have a lot of luck getting them to follow you back. So, And I would imagine that would work with anything. I don't care if you're a DJ, a, a, a print artist, or a painter, or, you know, whatever you do, you know. But so if if you're if you're brand new to the game, you're going to have a hard time growing your social media circle unless you just go into groups, find forums where there's other people, there's other people just starting out like you are, and then you can all mutually follow each other. But as far as growing a huge following, it's going to be hard until you establish yourself, until you establish your work. So, uh, you know, you got to have your website, you got to have all of your ducks in a row, you got to have a website, you got to have a blog, uh, even a YouTube channel. I mean, the more stuff you have there out there on the internet to establish yourself, the more legit you're going to look. I see I see a lot of good bands, for instance. Let's take bands, for instance. I see a lot of good bands, for instance, that they're very good bands, they're very good musicians, and they have no social media presence. They don't have uh, Instagram. They don't have really anything. And there's four or five people in a band, and they can't even establish their social media. Number one, it's probably because they want to pay somebody, they want a PR agent, or they want somebody to be working their social media f- platform for them. But man, when you're starting out and when you're on your own, you have to work that stuff yourself. Do I think social media is important? I think social media is important for growing your name. I have gotten a lot of business through social media, but social media, if you just depend on social media to survive, you will starve. Social media is not the end all when it comes to business. A lot of your, uh, let's take LA for instance, a lot of your top LA photographers and videographers that are directing music videos and doing this and doing that, they pay absolutely very little attention to their social media. 
Uh, I know several uh, amazing photographers and amazing videographers that direct high-end music videos for like Jennifer Lopez, the Pussycat Dolls, and things like that. Uh, I know those guys, and they and their social media. Some of them, it's not even listed on their website. And you ask, well, how can that be? Well, it's because in LA, the way the upper echelon works with a lot of the uh, talent or the photographers and videographers and stuff in LA is they actually, just like a movie star or like uh, a band, they actually have an agent. They actually work with an agency and the agency is a booking agency. So the agency actually books all of or a majority of their work and the agency actually takes commission off the work that they book for the artist. Um, a lot of people don't like that. You know, a lot of people want to be solo, want to be freelance, want to be in, in, in command of their own destiny. But I can tell you in L.A., you know, I've been trying for three or four years to get with an agency because that's the really the real, real way you make it. Because the agencies are the ones that are booking the higher upper echelon clients. Uh, they're the ones that are booking the uh you know, the Vanity Fair spreads. Uh, they're the ones that are booking commercials for like Ford and Chevy and GM and Toyota, Harley Davidson. Uh, so getting with an agency is key. Uh, can you make it without an agency? Yes, you can, but it's going to be a struggle and you really would have to have a decent name for yourself. I guess probably one photographer that I think, I'm not sure if, if he's killing it, but uh, he looks like he's doing pretty well. I know he's shooting a lot of professional athletes. I know he shoots a jewelry line that's, uh, I believe, is maybe uh, and it's tied to Harley Davidson motorcycles. And that's uh, Mr. Jay Bartlett. And uh, if you look at his Instagram, he's doing a lot of high-end photography with a medium format um, guy. I can't even think. I'm, I'm a Hasselblad fan myself. But he uses a, uh, what is the name of the camera he uses? Phase one. He uses a phase one uh, medium format system. Um, and, uh, he's got a, he's got, he does a lot of high end clients and he does a lot of high end work. And as a photographer in LA, that's what it takes to survive is a lot of high end work, uh, because things are expensive. Studio space is expensive. So the hustle and the grind is always there and you've always got to be on top of it. So when you work or when you're with an agency and the agency's booking your work, you do not have to work your social media near as hard or pay near as much attention to it unless you're just a media whore. Like myself, I cannot, I have not been able uh, to get with an agency. Uh, I've interviewed with Art, Art Mix, which is probably the top agency in L.A., uh, and uh, the East Coast in New York, it's one of the top photography agencies in the world, actually. And uh, they do everything from the Black Brightling campaign to tons and tons of stuff. And they have some of the most, um, some of the most talented photographers on the face of the planet actually are under their umbrella. And I was really hoping myself to get under their umbrella. And when I interviewed with them, uh, they basically just told me they didn't think I was ready. So, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. So I've just been building and trying to build my brand up some more. But I just run it solo, you know, until uh, hopefully one day I can actually get with, I can actually get with a, uh, you know, an agency or just, you know, continue to do it on my own. Um, you know, even if you get with an agency, an agency is going to have, who knows how many photographers under their umbrella? It may be up to 20. And unless you're actually one of the top 
five of their agency, you know, then you may not get that much work, even if you're with an agency like Art Mix. So that's something else to think about. So, you know, social media is important, especially getting your name out there. Um, the old adage is, is it's not what you know, but who you know. And that could not be more true. And you'll meet a lot of people through social media. You can find out where a lot of events are uh, through social media. Uh, you can kind of find out what's going on. Uh, I know uh, there's been times when I haven't been paying attention to social media and I've missed key events. And for events, I can actually tell you in my own opinion, if you want to know really what's going on, there is no better social media platform than Twitter. Uh, when something goes on in the world, Facebook is usually, I've seen Facebook be anywhere from five minutes to an hour delay compared to Twitter. So if there's an earthquake in California, uh, you're, it's going to hit Twitter first before you start getting the updates via uh, Facebook. Twitter is instantaneous. I don't know what it is about Twitter, but, you know, if a celebrity dies or anything, if, uh, you know, if you, if you are on Twitter, you will see it on Twitter and then you'll see it probably 10 or 15 minutes later, start taking, uh, you know, the feeds going across your Facebook. So Twitter is where it's at. If you're looking to stay connected to, uh, the social universe, uh, you cannot beat Twitter and it's key to follow good people, uh, and not screw up your Twitter feed. And that's one bit of advice I can give you. Uh, when I first got on Twitter, like I said, when I first got on Twitter, I was literally just following everybody and, uh, literally everybody. And I think that's a big mistake that most of us make. We jump out there and we start following USA Today and NBC. And I mean, you just name it. We, you follow everybody and that's really not the way to do it because it'll, it really will trash your newsfeed on Twitter and it'll make it so chaotic that you don't get any pertinent information. So what I, what I suggest you do is I suggest you follow people that are I suggest you you really keep your followers to people that really pertain to to updates and stuff that you're going to want to read, because uh, there's a lot of people that are just putting crap out there. They're just putting you know the same with Facebook. They're just tweeting stuff that doesn't even you know it doesn't nobody cares. You know what I mean? And when you have 50 tweets on a page and 47 of them are just bullshit, then you've got to screw, you've got to literally sift through those 50 on the page looking for two pieces of information. So the smarter thing to do is to be really careful about who you follow. And I always used to try to keep my followers under a thousand. Then I tried to keep it, gosh, I was at a thousand followers or I was following a thousand people. And then I tried to keep it below f around 1,500, I think. Let me look at my Twitter page, and I can tell you exactly how many followers I have now. Uh, I think it's around, I mean, or how many I follow. Yeah, I'm actually pushing 3,000. I just went over 2,701 followers. I can tell you that's just too many. It's too many followers. But I do, I follow, I can tell you right on, here on my feed right now, I've got NBC, New, NBC News, number one. 
Um, it's talking about radical cleric Abu Quada cleared of terrorism charges in Jordan. My next feed is T-Mobile, which uh, is who I use now. I used to be a Verizon customer for many, many years, and I just switched to T-Mobile about four months ago, and I couldn't be happier, and I'll probably address that in a, in a YouTube video at some point. The next one is New York Magazine. Uh, the next one's Fight School, Warren Whitlock, CNET, uh, Trisha Howley, you know, uh, The Hippies, which is a band, I believe, uh, Club Venus, Atlanta, uh, Ken Kaminsky, you know, and, and those are uh, those are the ones that are popping up. Billboard Magazine, Wall Street Journal, so uh, Harper's Bazaar UK. So those are the ones that are on my feed right now as we speak. And I get good information by just scrolling. I mean, I can get from the Wall Street Journal, Harper's Bazaar, which is going to be fashion, uh, Twitter, small business. Uh, there's one on here I have that is a MGWV, and it's a retweet if you follow or follow back some chick that does that in Ontario. And that's one I need to unfollow because she's doing the thing with the stars and everything, making this huge uh, designed to try to get followers to get people to follow her back and that's very annoying and I try to unfollow all of them when I follow them by accident um, usually when people follow me I'll try to follow them back just to be polite I may not stay following them but I'll usually try to follow them back if they look like they have interesting to anything interesting to say and a lot of times you get people that are just they're they're just putting crap out there. There's nothing really that they're, there's no beneficial, no, nothing beneficial to your newsfeed. And that's what you want your, you want your newsfeed to be beneficial to you. You've only got so much time in a day and you don't want to be scrolling past hundreds of just ludicrous Facebook, I mean, uh, Twitter posts that just have nothing to do with anything. So what I uh, suggest on your Twitter, if you're into Twitter, is to actually, uh, be skillful in who you choose to follow. I can tell you I'm at 2,701, following 2,701 people right now, and that's way too many. I need to cut that down. Uh, but then I keep looking, and the people that I'm following is I'm following Learn Photo Editing, National Geographic, Glamour Magazine UK, RT, which is Russia Today, the Los Angeles Angels. I'm not even an Angel fan. Uh, I'm a Texas Ranger fan, but I follow the Angels. Uh, Carmelo, Los Angeles Times, The Dog Father, Elle Magazine, uh, General Hospital. I have no, oh, that's uh, followed by Dunlop Hollywood. That was a retweet. New York Events, Club Venus Atlanta, Entertainment Tonight, Chris Blizzard, John Major, The Associated Press, Nikon Zone. So those are the people that uh, Beetlenut Radio, which I've done an interview for uh, with... Uh, uh, the barbecue show on Beetlenut Radio. So you could uh, Google that and find uh, the interview I did on the barbecue show. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's kind of the way I uh, look at it with Twitter. Facebook is a completely different animal. Uh, basically, it's more for friends and family and things like that. You can actually get banned or, uh, you know, you can get in trouble on Facebook for following people on Facebook that you are sending friend requests. I'm not sorry. I'm not I'm sorry, not followers, but sending friend requests to people on Facebook. So it's really not a great, Facebook is not a great networking platform for business. Their business pages, they really do suck. I've got one, I've got about 1,800 people that have liked my business page. And 
I can tell you is is compared to the old MySpace, Facebook doesn't touch the old MySpace when it comes to networking. The closest site out there uh, to the old MySpace when it comes to meeting other business people and people in business circles uh, and clients, picking up clients, is Twitter. Now, I've gotten more, probably more clients off of Facebook, uh, but because it's just people that I know and it's word of mouth and it's personal friends that have told other friends and they've contacted me via, um, they've contacted me via Facebook. But as far as uh, finding the right places to be, the right events to be at and so forth, uh, and finding out what's going on in the world and finding out what's going on with new camera releases and blah, 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 you cannot beat Twitter as a, as a, as a news feed. Uh, it is the closest to the old MySpace. And I can tell you the old MySpace for business was amazing. It was great for friends, too. Uh, and it was great for meeting people. I've met, I met so many key influential people back in the old MySpace days. Um, you know, and people that I'm still friends with, like Janine Ludmulder, um, um, gosh, uh, Ken Pavia, um, you know, those people that are, you know, have been influential in, in you know, in what they do. Um, and, and other people, other people that are in the media spotlight, I should say, to some extent. And, uh, and, and that's who you want to network with. And that's who you want to get your name out there with. It doesn't help you to get your name out there with people that can't hire you or push your name to somebody else and to, you know, to, to share your name or what you do with somebody else. I've had Ken tell me, tell other people about me. I've done work for MMA junkie, uh, shooting mixed martial arts, shooting the UFC events, and Ken is the one that recommended me to MMA Junkie, Ken Pavia. Uh, big ups to Ken. Uh, he's the one that recommended me to uh, MMA Junkie when they were first starting out. So I used to go do some events. I used to shoot some of Ken's personal events that he was putting on. And then they would put it on uh, MMA Junkie, the website. So that's the kind of thing uh, that you have to do and uh, to get your name out there. It's a lot of networking through social media to grow your social media. Now here we're going to touch on a thing. Um, I, I actually had a discussion with this with a girl I was dating because she disagrees with me that images and everything. And the name of my podcast, as you know, is images, everything. And that's not as cut and dry as it sounds like it is. Uh, when I say images, everything, I don't necessarily mean, you know, it is just everything. But image is a lot, and there are a lot of photographers out there in the world today. And if you want to stand out in the herd of photographers, I mean, there's a gazillion photographers on the planet this day and time. So if you want to set yourself apart, the only way to do that is through your image and your work. And But your work does not necessarily have to be out of this world, but your, your image does. And people will flock to somebody who has got a popular image, who's got a popular social network. Uh, those are the people, and that's how you will get people to follow you. If, if, excuse me, if I go out to a, uh, an event and this happens a lot. If I go out to an event and I meet someone there 
and they are promoting themselves, promoting themselves or blowing themselves up to me, blowing themselves to, up to me, telling me they do this and they do that. And yeah, I'm the head of so-and-so and I do this and I do that and I do this. And, and I've been doing this for so, uh, for a certain amount of time and, and this and that and this and that, and just really, uh, talking themselves up, um, you know, and I go, okay, well, you know, let's change business cards and I'll follow you on, you know, I'll follow you on Twitter and I'll send you a Facebook uh, friend request and blah, blah, blah. And we can connect there too. And then I go home and I find out that they've got 50 Twitter followers and they've got, um, you know, maybe 200 Facebook friends. Then I know that they're really not near as established or I take it. I'm, I should say, I take it. I immediately take it that they're full of hot air, that they're not near as established in what they say they are. So it really makes a difference if, uh, you know, where you're at with your social media. So that's why it is important to grow your social media so you don't sound like a blowhard when you're at an event and you're talking yourself up. Uh, a lot of times I don't even talk myself up at, at events. I just, you know, I listen to everybody else but I pass out my business cards and then I just let it go. I let my numbers speak for themselves because I've been doing this for a long time. And, uh, and I've figured out key ways to make it work for me. And hopefully, uh, some of my pointers tonight will work for you as well. Um, but back to your image, uh, during the MySpace days, I, I watched, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched some of the porn stars on MySpace. Um, I watched some of the DJs on MySpace and, uh, there was, you know, and some of the rock stars on MySpace. Um, there was some, uh, like Dirt Nasty. Uh, he was a good one. Let's say there was Dirt Nasty. Uh, there was a few other ones too. There was the guy that dressed up like a girl that he's, he's like a girl. He's got pink hair and stuff. I can't remember what his name was, but he had a huge, he had a huge Facebook follow. I mean, a MySpace following. And, um, you know, and then you had like, a guy like, uh, let's see, who else did you have that was really big on MySpace? Oh, you had, uh, Tilika Tequila on MySpace. You had, uh, uh, Dane Cook on MySpace, um, a bunch of those guys, uh, Joe Rogan. I watched him when he first came into MySpace, and I watched a few of the people that were uh, like Dirt Nasty, for instance. And they were always throwing controversial stuff out there on their MySpace page. And some of it was to piss people off, and some of it was legitimate. But I noticed that it kept their page a buzz. And I would get, I would sign into my MySpace page, and I would literally jump on and go directly to these controversial pages to see what was going on or to see what had been said. So that taught me right there that through photography, I didn't want to set myself in a negative light. I didn't really want to be completely like, you know, they were talking about blow or cocaine and, you know, drugs and whores and hookers and all that stuff. And I didn't really want to take it to that extreme with myself as a photographer, because I want to be taken seriously as a photographer. And as a photographer, you can't go I don't feel like you can go that far out of the professional realm and still be taken seriously, but you can mix in a little bit of that. You can kind of be like, uh, 
you know, you can, you use your alpha male basically, uh, as, as far as a guy, if you're a guy, you use your alpha male. If you're a girl, you just use your self-confidence, but it's all about being confident in yourself. And that is your image. If you, if people see that you're confident in yourself, then a lot of people aren't confident in their self, especially newer photographers. If we're talking about photography, you get a lot of newer photographers, a lot of newer people, and they are not confident in their self at all, or they're not confident in their work. So when they see somebody who is putting out good work and they're completely confident in that, it, it, they feel good by, it makes them feel more confident by following and being able to connect with somebody or just reading and looking at your work and seeing how confident you are as a person, not just as a photographer, but as a person. And I can tell you by experience, my career has has been up and it's been down. And, uh, before I started this podcast, it was in a huge downswing. Uh, you know, 2012 was a banner year for me. If you've read my blog, you probably know this already and I'm beating a dead horse, but 2012 was a banner year for me. I was working for NBC universal was one of the gigs I did. I traveled the world with the, the cast and director of the movie savages. I'm not going to name drop because I don't want to get called out on being a douche for name dropping, but you can go and you can Google the movie savages and you can see who directed it and you can see who starred in it. And I can tell you, um, five or six of the key stars in that movie I've sat and had dinner with, I've had drinks with, and I've traveled all over Europe and everything with. And on private airplanes, no commercial planes, all on private airplanes, private jets, uh, all over the world. And uh, so I really felt like I was on top of the world. And as you can imagine, my confidence level was through the roof. And it was through the roof to the, to the point where you lose yourself a little bit in it. You know, you watch, you know, these, these young celebrities like Justin Bieber start out as a good Christian kid and then just kind of lose himself and, and uh, go off the rails. And, uh, and that's very easy to do when you have a lot of high, high oh God, what, what is the word I'm looking for? When you have a lot of power people a power people in your power circle and they are complimenting you, uh, continuously and telling you how good you are. And it really inflates your ego and it really puts you on a power to where you are overconfident basically. And nothing can bring you down. You feel like, unfortunately, nothing lasts forever. You know, uh, if so right now, if you're out there and things are good for you, take a minute, you know, and look in the mirror and thank, thank the heavens, because it won't last, you know, there's downturns and there's upturns, you know, even celebrities, you see celebrities, they're doing great. And then all of a sudden they're getting a divorce or they're in bankruptcy or, you know, so life can throw you curveballs for anybody. I mean, I don't care if you're, you know, if you're, uh, on a level like Bill Gates and you're very, very, you're a billionaire, you know, Bill Gates still has things that happen in his life that are very troubling and, and, uh, you know, very hard to deal with. We all go through it. So what, a back to image, I'm rambling a little bit, but back to image, what I'm saying is when you're confident people and people will notice that and people follow confidence. They, when you radiate confidence, people understand it, they get it and, and they're drawn to it. That's the word I'm looking for. They're drawn to confident people. So when you're really confident, you're going to draw a lot of people. And when you're putting things out there through your social media that shows how confident you are, people are drawn to that. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are doing the same thing you are 
that probably don't think you're near as good as you think you are. So they're going to be very turned off and they're going to be your whole little, uh, your whole little row of haters or your little, you know, your little, your little, um, uh, what's it called? Your little pit of haters or whatever. And that's okay too, because at least they'll be talking about you as long as, you know, it's, it's the old adage, uh, I guess, uh, no, pl- uh, any publicity is good publicity or whatever. I've actually learned that's not true because I've had some really bad publicity and that kind of knocked the wind out of my sails. So I don't actually agree with that analogy. Uh, because I think uh, some publicity, some bad publicity can be really bad for your career. And I've kind of went through that. And I think that's probably why um, I had such a downturn in my career. And and I can tell you that even if <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily the publicity that was uh, that really rocked my career, it was the publicity and my worrying about what it was going to do. And it basically robbed me of my confidence. And so that's what I was, that's the point I was talking about earlier. And when I lose my confidence, my career just plummets. Uh, if anything, if, if I'm, if I'm the rock of Gibraltar, but all of a sudden something hits me and it's like a pick and it knocks a big chunk off and I'm worried continuously about that chunk that's missing and I lose my confidence, my career spirals downward. So, and it takes me sometimes, uh, you know, a good few months, a good, even a year at times to get myself and to regain my composure. First, I have to regain my composure because I'm a little bit side uh, swiped by it uh, to begin with. So it's, I'm taken aback at first and then I have to regain my composure and then start building my confidence back up again. And sometimes that's, uh, you know, reading inspirational quotes. Sometimes that's looking at YouTube videos of photographers that I admire uh, and what they're doing and reading their blogs and reading the things that they've been to because, you know, I've been broke as a joke and I've had, you know, lots of money in the bank that I could go out and buy a classic car and pay cash for it and then buy a a, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, you know, just a few months before that and pay cash for it. So I've been on a couple of different spectrums. I've never been what I consider wealthy, but I've been very, uh, very high middle class, I guess you could say. Uh, I've been very comfortable at times. And then I've been completely broke as a joke and just trying to survive. Um, So I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And I know where I know where that's at. And I can tell you when you don't have a lot of money in your bank account, it's very hard to be confident in yourself and be confident in what you're doing and be confident in your career. But it takes confidence to keep everything going and to keep everything on an upswing instead of a downswing. So you really have to be confident in yourself, confident in your work and confident in what you can do and what you're doing. Uh, basically that's kind of the way this podcast started because I love a challenge. I love challenging myself and I love putting a challenge, uh, in front of me and then going after it and then actually doing it and making it happen. I've literally been talking about doing a podcast for years. I was listening to podcasts back, gosh, I was listening to podcasts back in the nineties. Um, and I was so enamored by these people, especially the ones that were doing video podcast, video cast or vlogs. 
uh, I was enamored by how they were doing that. And uh, when I very first started watching YouTube videos and stuff, I would follow some of these guys. And I was like, man, I would love to be able to do that. But I had no idea about sound equipment. I had no idea what a mixer was. I mean, looking at a mixer to me was like one of the most complicated things I could imagine. I mean, to me, cameras, you know, are simple. A lot of people think cameras are are complicated, but they're actually very simple. And, but looking at a mixer was like a camera 50 times over. So I wasn't even sure how that, all that, you know, went together. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know what an XLR jack was on a microphone or what the difference was, or, you know, how you connected an XLR microphone. So there was a lot to learn to get this podcast up and running. And I really had looked at doing it in 2009 when I really had the money to do it. And the problem was, is I had a lot of money at the time and a lot of money in the bank and I was too busy at the party. You know, I wanted to be out. I wanted to be running around drinking and partying and having fun and dating, you know, any minute that I had that I wasn't working, I was doing social stuff and social events and, and out running around and waking up with a hangover. And, you know, that a lot of us know that live in LA and Hollywood, that whole Hollywood LA lifestyle. So when I had this downturn in my career this time, I really looked at it as the perfect opportunity because I did have a little money. I uh, had a little money set aside and my money was dwindling fast, but there was uh, some ways that I could get money and I could move and basically cut my expenses completely. And it would give me all the time that I wanted to do a podcast and actually learn to do it. And that's what I've done. And that's how I've gotten this show started. And I have the actual time to do it. I actually only book a couple of jobs, maybe two, three jobs a month in LA. And then the rest of the time I have the time to do what I want to do and podcast, work on my YouTube channel, produce some videos and that kind of thing. And that's what I'm working on. I'm still trying to get my new place set up. Uh, like, I've, uh, I have a script that I'm, you know, that I'm doing a video shoot with my partner, Corey Molina, uh, for his safety, safety source company on, uh, Thursday and Friday in LA for Verizon. And, uh, his mother, uh, who owns the company sent me the script three days ago, four days ago. And I haven't been able to print the script out because I can't find my printer paper. And I live in Joshua tree now and I'm a ways from town. I'm out on a five acre place. I have five acres and a little house and I can't just drop everything. There's no best buy to run to basically is what I'm saying. So I literally went out today and spent the time to dig through boxes until I finally found my printer paper so I could finally get the script printed out. So there you go. And anyway, back to the image. So I hope you understand that you know, portraying an image and to set yourself apart, you got to pump your image up some. So I'm not saying just front everything and be an idiot or go out there and be a douchebag, but you know, you, you, you can be yourself and, but don't be afraid to share things that might be a little controversial, a little bit, get a little bit of attention. Um, you know, basically I, I consider myself an alpha male, some people may not, but I know I consider myself an alpha male and I use those alpha male, alpha male overtones on everything I do on social media. The funny thing about that, if you meet me in person, I can be very demure or not demure. That's like a chick, but I can be a little bit shy at times till I get to know you. Uh, I'm kind of quiet in social situations and everybody thinks I'm right. The opposite. Uh, if I've been drinking a little bit, it's the total opposite. I'm the life of the party, but I don't always, I'm not a big attention whore when I'm out in actual circles 
in in actual settings with people at events. Uh, but on the flip side of that, and when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to social media, yeah, I just throw it all out there, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's all about, it's all about getting people to pay attention to what you're doing and what you're saying. So, you know, just putting things out there continuously, like quotes or whatever, just interesting facts to get people to, uh, to pay attention. That's what it takes. And that's where my analogy, uh, image is everything comes in because image is everything. We are judged by our image, uh, from the car we drive to, uh, the clothes we wear to the brands that we, uh, choose to present an image to our social circles that we communicate with. It's all about your image, uh, and what you do and you don't have to be rich. I mean, I've known some of the coolest guys that are just kind of like, you know, hippie beatnik guys that, you know, just wear generic clothes from the thrift store, but they've got a cool style about themselves. And, you know, they got long grungy hair and a beard and a mustache, but you know, they're, they've got that Jim Morrison, that Jim Morrison image thing, you know, that they can just really rock out and, and it just really works for them. So it doesn't matter what your image is, but we're all judged on our image. And if you want to set your part self apart, I don't care if you're a rock star, I don't care what you are. I mean, you got Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, any of those guys have got great images, you know what I mean, that, that people are drawn to. They have a cool essence about themselves, uh, you know, and, and that's what you really have to find as an image that you want to portray for yourself. And, you know, some people just want to be themselves, and that's fine too. I'm not telling you to be fake or to fake everything, but if you want to set your part self apart from the masses, you do have to pump yourself up a little bit. You've got to be your best, you've got to be your your own biggest cheerleader. You've got to be the biggest cheerleader for yourself uh, and your image and, and really pump up your confidence and, and pump up what you're doing and make people believe it's got to be believable. I'll give you a perfect example of a celebrity that I've, I've been around and she has a completely different image than who she is in real life. And anybody that's been around her can verify this. And uh, there's a lot of people. She gets a lot of haters, a lot of haters. But this girl's she's a trust fund baby, but she, and she's worth millions of dollars. But she is a very intelligent businesswoman. But when you see her and uh, when you see her in certain settings to where she puts on her image and she acts like a little girl, and that's Paris Hilton. She talks with that little Paris that little girl voice, that little Paris girl voice. And she does this and she does that. And she's a dingy blonde and oh yeah, it's so great. I love it. Yeah. Do you like my little pink dog? On the flip side, you see this girl in a setting to where she's doing business and she is a very high-end, sophisticated businesswoman that is no-nonsense, and she knows exactly what she's doing and exactly what she wants, and she will dictate everything precisely the way she wants it with no, with no hesitation at all. So that is a perfect example of somebody using an image that is not themselves at all. Now, I'm not saying that's perfect because a lot of you people are not going to agree with that and I'm not saying it's the per, I'm not saying it's the way to do it, but I'm telling you it's the way it's worked for Paris. She's had her own TV show. You know, she's done a lot of things and she's just one of the Hilton kids. You know what I mean? But I don't think if she had a used herself instead of this little dingy blonde image, 
I don't think she would have been, went near as far as she has went as far as notoriety. And, and she, and, and, and that, it, it goes way back, you know, Paris isn't the first one. So let's say you, you just, I just completely turned you off with what I said about Paris Hilton. You're like, Oh, uh, screw that Paris Hilton. Yeah. You lost me, bro. Okay, fine. Let's don't use Paris Hilton. Let's go way, way back. Another blonde that did the exact same thing was Norma Jean. Yes, that's right. The very famous Marilyn Monroe. Do you think she was as dingy and she talked like a little baby girl to begin with? No. Where do you think Paris Hilton got that? She just mimicked exactly what Marilyn Monroe did. So it's an image. There's a lot of people that would tell you Marilyn Monroe was not the person that you saw uh, when she was doing her press junkets and she was doing all that stuff. She was a completely different person. Uh, when you knew her on a personal level. Uh, so, you know, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about image. Pick something, you know. Uh, you, I'm not talking about making up a fake persona. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just using your own self-confidence to boost your image a little bit and always be confident in everything you're doing because confidence breeds confidence and it also will spawn people other confident people that want to be around you and people will follow in droves other confident people. Uh, I mean, look at, look at all of the motivational speakers out there. What are they preach? What are they preaching? They're preaching confidence. All of them, basically. I don't care what they're talking about. If they're talking about diet, if they're diet gurus, if they're, uh, you know, talking about whatever they're talking about, in a nutshell, is what they're talking about is confidence. Uh, and there's a lot of different things that you can do to, to boost your confidence. Um, and we'll, maybe we'll get in that on, on, on another podcast if anyone's interested. Email me because I actually know some ways that you can work to actually boost your confidence and some techniques and stuff that I actually do myself to help boost my confidence. Maybe when I'm at a lower or at a lull in my career, and I need to get things, I need to get things back on track. And it happens to the best of us, you know what I mean? Everything changes, nothing, nothing lasts forever. So if everything's good right now, enjoy it while it lasts, because life is a roller coaster. There's ups and there's downs, and it's going to be over before you know it. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ups and enjoy the downs. So anyway, that's a, a whole hour. That's our second hour complete of Images Everything. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I want to thank you again for listening. Uh, again, this podcast has been a long time in the making. I hope it sounds good. In episode one, if you listen, there was four sp- or five spots in there where I got some reverb or some really bad uh, static that was very annoying. It didn't last but about five seconds, six seconds. Uh, so I didn't have to, I didn't have time to re-record everything. So I just went with it the way it was. I ended up getting a USB interface to plug into my mixer, to plug into my Mac. And I think we've eliminated that now. I have to listen to this after after I'm through here. But hopefully uh, there's been none of that interference and we're good and we're clear. And we have everything for the podcasting. I can tell you that uh, for future episodes, I'm going to have some guests on here. Uh, I'm just 
I've got to get everything set up to where I can have have guests and uh, and and have them in studio or actually go to them and interview them. Well, we'll I'm actually going to be learning trying to do the Skype thing so we can do some Skype interviews. Um, I can tell you I'm going to start doing this podcast at a point where it's a vlog as well. So if you don't want to just listen to it, you can actually go to YouTube, my YouTube channel, and you can watch the vlog. You can watch this episode or if you're in your car and you're driving across country and you need a good podcast, grab us on iTunes because the podcast is up on iTunes now. And uh, hopefully it'll be on Stitcher Radio really soon. But if you want to download it, if you got an iPhone or, you know, even a Droid and you want to download it from the iTunes store, we are on iTunes now. Hooray! Yeah, I didn't know how we would get that done, but we finally got it done. I want to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Jose. Uh, from uh, his podcast, Ray for Jose. I've known Jose for a long time. I met him through a mutual friend. And he had me on his show. And looking at his setup really inspired me to get my setup going. And I can tell you I've got a, a really nice big mic coming um, and uh, all of my arms and stuff for my uh, microphones, my mic arms and everything. And those are the last things that I'm waiting on as far as doing the vlogging. When I start recording, we're going to set some cameras up and start recording this as a vlog. And anytime we have a guest, it'll be a vlog that'll go up on the YouTube channel. So anyway, we're about three minutes over. I try to keep uh, this podcast to right at about an hour. So we're running about three minutes over. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I want to tell you to please visit my website at ravholly.com. That's R-A-V-H-O-L-L-Y.com. Please follow me on Twitter. And if you follow me on Twitter, please, and you listen to this episode, please tweet me. Let me know what you think, and I'll be sure to tweet you back. And if I'm not following you, let me know you're listening to my podcast, and I will follow you on Twitter if you send me a tweet. So again, that's at Rav Holly, R-A-V-H-O-L-L-Y. You can look me up on Instagram at Rav Holly. Uh, you can look me up on Google Plus at Rav Holly. You can check out my YouTube channel, Rav Holly, at Rav Photos on YouTube. Uh, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. There's going to be a lot of videos coming on YouTube with me doing some uh, equipment reviews, talking about what kinds of photography equipment I use, what kind of strobes, what kind of tripods, the difference between tripods, what's the difference between a photography tripod and a video tripod. Um, you know, little things like that are the things that are going to be coming up in future episodes and future videos on the YouTube channel. So we're running at five minutes over now, four minutes and 39 seconds. So I'm going to wrap this up, guys. Look for episode uh, three next Thursday. I'm going to be trying to do a podcast every Thursday. So it'll be up uh, every Thursday. So next Thursday uh, will be the third episode of Images Everything. So I'm signing off here. Have a great day, great night, whatever time it is you're listening. And thank you again so much for listening. This concludes uh, episode two of Images Everything. Bye-bye, guys.